Well, that is great. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm so busy right now. I'm not sure if you are, but I feel like the world is in a bottleneck and we are scrambling to get shit done. <laughs> Absolutely. Always change up uh, circumstances, isn't it, as well? Oh, my God. Yeah, I've I've been, I think for the last month, October, I think I worked the hardest I've ever worked <laughs> before. Like I, 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 I'm pretty like good at taking time off, like taking weekends off, but I honestly didn't take a weekend off all October. How about you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same. I'm always non-stop. And also, Lauren, if, I, uh, if I'm not busy, I'm always busy with stuff that I put myself through. I just always enjoy uh, <laughs> not, not doing holidays, not doing days off. <laughs> I'm totally the same. I think um, it takes a pretty highly productive kind of personality to kind of run your own business. I think there's – I'm like if I find myself sitting on the beach – on a holiday, I'm like twiddling my thumbs, just like, just thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like sitting on the beach when I could just be doing stuff. Like, I don't know. I just need to, it doesn't matter if it's like a, an adventurous thing or, or a productive thing. I just really like doing stuff all the time. You're probably the same. Absolutely. I, I'm a big lover of um, uh, boredom. If I need some ideas, I try and find boredom because then I find escapes and, and new things come up and, and there's always that really, that fiery, wishful thinking that comes out of it. And as yeah. soon as I get in holiday, I'll bring a notepad or whatever and no computers, no nothing. And I'll just try and, you know, come up with new stuff. And I think within, you know, it takes me like a few days to kick in into holiday mode, but generally... I try and, you know, escape, escape. I mean, it's just mm. escaping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to everybody Great. who's listening right now, I'm just going to introduce you. This is Julio. He is an incredible embroidery artist. I'm just going to put that title on you because I think it's very well-deserving. Um, I think what you make is genuinely art and um yeah please tell us about um what you do and and where you're at right now thanks so much thanks for the introduction so yes i uh, i mainly focus on illustration and embroidery and it's uh, specifically chain stitch embroidery so for those that don't know chain stitch embroidery is like an off it's an old fashion technique and it's all handmade so you basically are working around the machine and uh, and it's just down to your skills your uh, patience uh, and all that to create imagery and I come from an illustration background so I studied graphic design and that's what my direction was and um, and that's where I applied you know I applied just in chain stitch embroidery essentially I focused on a really really niche um market and a niche craft and I try and work with as many artists uh, may that be music artists or you know a football players or, or wrestlers um, anyone that's got a spark and uh, or brands of many kinds from independent to larger brands yeah I you've been you've made some 
pieces for some very famous and very like diverse kind of people from like footballers to like obviously like to me the most um you know intuitive kind of relationship would be with music um to your work so a lot of musicians but yeah tell me about the different the most like you know diverse kind of customers that you've had so i'm mainly I'm generally uh, solution driven, so I enjoy the proje- projects, and uh, I have quite a variety of clients for that. For that reason, I enjoy the freedom of trying and focus on the deliverable. You know, what can we do with this particular client? What are these? Uh, what it's his, you know, his circumstances and all that stuff. Um, I've, I've, I mean, it all varies. Uh, some of the stuff would be. Uh, for, for a singer, you know, the, the singer that I'm working with just now uh, is George Ezra. I don't know if you know him. He's quite pe- popular in Australia. I checked him out. I I don't really, I honestly, I'm, I listen to mainly like vintage records at home, but I did check him out because I saw him on your feed. Pretty epic, like pretty epic artist. Um, he has Thank this you. kind yeah, of like, um, he has this kind of like, you know, 60s, like he has such an, a really like big voice. It's quite like interesting to see that voice combined with like pop music. Yeah, totally different. Absolutely. It's it's interesting because he's got a good heart. And for some reason, Lauren, I find myself, um, I mean, often, don't get me wrong, not everything that I do, it's, it's a great you know, sometimes you do a project and it turns out to be, eh, okay, uh, you know, solutions, okay, pieces, but maybe the client wasn't necessary, something you carry on. But very, very often I find myself into a situation where I'm, I'm clear, see-through, I can trust people, they trust me, and we work together. And he's really lovely. He just, uh, he, he, we enjoy each other's stuff and, and, and it's great. They approached me straight away, so it's it's nice and organic, essentially. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so nice. Actually, I wanted to exp- I want to explain to everybody that the reason why I hit Julio up. So this is tied together. So I don't, I haven't done a podcast for a minute because I really do this podcast for fun. I don't do it for likes or views or whatever. But I just do it when I'm really inspired. And I saw your post the other day on Instagram and. You know, I like that your posts are also about running a business and sort of behind the scenes of what goes on. Um, And your post was about time management and how valuable time is when you're running your own business, Um, especially when it's a small business or or a medium-sized business. You know, time is so valuable and and such an important resource that a lot of people take for granted. Um, And... Yeah, tell me about, I'm, I don't want to go down like a hater route, but I think it's nice to talk about running a fashion business and the, the do's and the don'ts, the failures that you've come across or the challenges that you've come across. Um, and in this case, it's time. So, um, yeah, tell me about like working with such big clients, um, with such big teams when you're, you know, one person um, and you need to make your pieces um, yourself, which is a massive time 
you know, that goes into it. Um, how do you juggle that balance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to, you know, to pick back your, your point, I'm always keen on uh, transferring these important part of the business, which is running a small business, is about the fair working ethics. It's about yourself, always making sure that you prioritize yourself. And am I doing, am I doing what I want? Not losing yourself within the pro process, because we all have to pay bills at the end of the month, but mm. there's better ways to do that. And there's ways where you can have a smile at the end of the month as well as being you know, paid. And so I always transfer these to others. And it's it's a humble way of saying, you know, I'm struggling, but also if you're finding yourself into this situation where you're not you're not on your own and there is ways that you can, you know, that you can make things better. Um so I like I mentioned to you, I work with small clients, so maybe be a person, but I also work with large organization. I worked with Adidas before, I worked with uh, I did the collaboration with uh, Playboy as well, and as well as oh, uh, Dr. Cool. Martins. Yeah, so very various, you know, clients. I, there, there is many types of clients that I won't work with, and that's kind of part of my optic. But working with large clients is it's difficult for this. For, for it's down to time and management essentially. M my point when you saw that video was that I also work with large clients, and the clients, you know, take a lot of time and a lot of logistics around the pro each project. And again, what I do is very, very specific. And like you introduced, it's, it's all handmade. So when, you, when you're doing a production, things can take a long time. There's also the design aspect that many of these brands are not involved with necessarily because I work with marketing teams, for example, and things like that. So they don't necessarily understand how the process works. So I try and break it down for them, but um, while I'm on my own or I have an assistant that does a bit here, a bit there, there's always resources that are being used on this side. And on the other side, there's always a team behind it. So mm. I always try and make, I'm, I'm big into failures. So I, I love failures in a sense that I don't, I don't look for them, but if they come, I try <laughs> and understand how, how to get by again. Yeah. And I rationalize, I go back and try to work out systems for not to do it again. Mm. And although some of these, you know, you, you can't just cover them all, I try and be as honest as possible and just say, you know, this is going to take a while. There may be a chance that we might, while be, we've been in a conversation, this might not work mm. because the times need to be tighter. You have to get back to me and all that stuff. Um, Lauren, I've, I've been in projects where I, the deliverables, I, I was confident that things were going to be okay and they were going to be great, but the, there was nobody really that wished to say, okay, yeah, do it. And I took a chance and I did it. Mm. And all the pieces went absolutely, you know, immediately. Everyone loved it. The CEO of the company loved it. Everyone loved it. And it's that thing where there's a chain of command and nobody wants to take responsibility. There's a lot yeah. of that stuff. The, uh, you know, I started into punk. That's how I got into this business. I can talk to you a little bit more about that. But my approach is that to treat people as human as possible and mm -hmm. try uh, and teach what I do and how I do it to people. And some of these people are in the job because of the, you know, the, the progression, but also because of the, the company 
uh, mindset. And some of these people just don't understand how the job might be mm. in, for someone else. So it's good to explain stuff. And I'm big in communication. You know, I just want to make sure that first we get a good relationship with each other because you might be going to another job or whatever. At least we've got a great day. Uh, and then second, because it helps me to work together, but also helps the next guy, the next girl yeah. that are going to work with them. Also, like, everybody just wants to be able to, like, have a happy life and, like, have things go smoothly. And um, and the only way you can do that is to, like, understand each other and just be just be nice to each other and try your best, right? I have this a similar kind of, like, I have a similar approach to things also. I don't make things myself, but... I work very closely with artisans who make my things and um, a lot of the time these artisans are like very small scale um, but maybe there's a network of them. So it, it it's, it's also communicating that with like bigger stores. For, in my case, it's like bigger stores who, you know, expect to be able to me to be able to fulfill a big order and I have to just say hey we can't we can't like make things in that quantity because that's the beauty of having things made artisanally like in your case as well and um yeah I think a big a big part of it the beauty of what you do is how handmade it is and how much of how much artistry makes up what you do and that's why it's incredible that's why people want it but then sometimes you have to spend most of your time communicating that to the world which is absolutely um, yeah pushing the envelope is, is part of the job uh, absolutely um it's been quite a few years that i've been doing these and in this particular way and what you said about the brands asking you for much co larger quantity is always there and i found myself shifting from apologetic to you know so, i'm so sorry i can't do this many will do like that to a point where i say how many pieces will i do to make me happy about the project mm -hmm. how many you know how many can i do and i set myself around 30 pieces so that's the average price uh, sorry but the quantity that i do and so my answer is essentially i set into limitation and i set my limitation even tighter because people look for bigger uh, quantities and that's because it makes me happy and lauren there's something about limited stuff that it's it's it makes total sense yeah. it's total you know there's a massive value behind it there's a conversation aspect there's a brand value there is the exclusivity there is a narrative there is communication connection when people see each other that they've met during an event or they've got that piece or you create a community and yeah. i i don't even replicate the stuff i could i could make more i could make my own version i could make multiple but I just say no you know it's just it's 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 a treasure to be enjoyed you know what i mean i just i yeah. just try to focus on the good aspect and uh, where my back is happy my neck is happy and my mind is happy i think that's the place where i, I like to see it i love that i'm a big believer in um this idea that a strong economy is a diverse economy and that means you know like 
a mix, a big under a big kind of undercurrent of small to medium businesses that really feed community, that really play a big part of community, and also your large scale businesses and corporations. But definitely the balance is not there at present and we see a lot of um, turmoil and, um, you know, kind of um, market instability as a result of the lack of diversity in our economy. And so my kind of goal in communicating with the world also is to encourage a more diverse economy and encourage people to give things a go um, if you have that kind of dream or if you're interested in doing something, yeah, like go go for it, you know, maybe don't quit your day job at the beginning. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's so important. So, yeah, I'm really interested in how you started your business and what your goals were when you started. Have they changed along the way? Yeah, so... I mean, to, to, to tell you a bit more truthfully about how I started my business, I have to go back to my early days of school and, and all that stuff. I, I'm neurodivergent, so I, I have attention deficit disorder. But if you see my work, um, you will see that attention is not, the, is not a problem. It's, it's a more of a regulation. Uh, so I tend to hyper-focus and focus on the things that I enjoy and give it its best. And uh, school for many that had this, this uh, you know, this neurodivergence, it's has been really hard. In fact, it was almost like a life sentence to me when I was, you know, in my early days. Um, I kept failing. I kept uh, doing this thing with, uh, where I was, you know, masking essentially, masking my the way I felt. Always try and fit in within context within school and everything else and so as a result of that when I, of that when I finished school um, I didn't have much of my own wish so I didn't really know what I was doing I didn't you know people I remember teachers used to say hey what are you going to do uh, you know when you know just after you're going to go to university and stuff and I just didn't have very much in myself it was a desert and uh, I didn't even want to have a birthday because I know it's quite sad, but because I just didn't really explore the wishes. And so I remember, you know, this was a very short uh, explanation because school days were really tough. There was also very traumatic experiences around my family and we had to move town very often. And, mm-hmm. and I moved school on average about one and a half, uh, every one and a half years mm-hmm. I was moving school. Wow. So this means that I was kind of left on my own drifting around schools. And so when I go out, I kind of felt like, you know, in a different town, I just didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go through the whole process that, you know, for myself. And so I came to London. I used to play punk back then. I was really into punk and the punk, punk aesthetics and I used to write lyrics and stuff like that. It was all about DIY. It's all about Did making you things yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guitar, voice and, uh, and many other things, not, not so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah and so it's it was about you know connection and about you know like-minded people that get together and stuff like that but there was something about my first initial step that made me focus on the outsiders 
I was feeling like an outsider and I focused on the outsider and I navigated through every outsider that you can think. May that be organized crime, may that be drug, drug addict to dealers, to criminals, to all sorts. I've known all those situations um, because I was just trying to understand how other people were. I didn't quite identify myself with any of them. But I don't do drugs, I don't like alcohol and stuff like that. But I developed a desire for outsiders, for what they really want and for how the little they are cared for and for how little they know each other. And, uh, and so that became a connection and I strengthened through punk. But that was a message that I didn't really like to stick with for long because it was nice, it was great, but it was also quite negative and I wanted to be positive. And so I came over here and was homeless very quickly. I lived in the street, ate from skips. Um, I couldn't ask my friends to be staying at their place because I just felt like it was an embarrassment. And I said to myself, I'm just going through this because, not because I'm a failure, but because I want to grow and I want to understand the systems or how I get a house, how I pay the bills. I want to pay the bills, all these things. And I put myself through this, I found all the grants that I could find, I financed my university, uh, finished university, I studied illustration and graphic design, and I was doing so well that um, my tutors called me back to teach there, and so I taught there at university. And that's where my progression was, it's quite organic, but I always developed the desire for communication, for people that cared for, for people that were marginalized and stuff like that. And how I got into embroidery was basically because I liked graphic design a lot. I liked illustration, but mm. I just wanted to be having that connection with people. And uh, yeah. there's nothing more uh, immediate than having graphics around the jacket, at the back of the yeah. jacket, or you know, expressing yourself with what you're wearing, essentially. Yeah, totally. I think, like, I went to art school myself. I didn't study fashion, and I kind of fell into fashion let's say, um, but I honestly feel you like... you did modeling, right, as well? Yeah, I did modeling. Yeah. I was in the advertise a lot in, like, you know, through that, I had a big network in advertising and magazines. Then I worked in magazines and, yeah, and then I, then I met Nigel Caborn and then he decided to, he thought it was a good idea that I started a clothing business and eight years later, here we are. Um but uh, I think clothing, what I discovered was just that clothing is so relatable to not just the niche kind of person that you're making, you're imagining your clothes are made for, but they, ended up, they end up being, uh, you know, for, for so many different kinds of people um, that you don't expect, which I'm sure you've also um, experienced as well. And that, I think that's something so beautiful. There's no highbrow, there's nothing highbrow about making clothes like art or music or, you know, you don't have to be educated to appreciate or buy clothes, you know, which is something that's so unexpectedly lovely about making clothes, which I think you can relate to. Yeah, so tell me about how, like, you know, putting, starting to put, you know, graphics and messages on clothing evolved from there? So I, uh, I 
one one really important step was that when I was doing my final years in in studios, graphic design studios, I used to work with the with the owner of Wallpaper and Monocle magazine, and his name is Tyler Brule, and he used oh, to have yeah. this great approach where he used to approach companies and say, "Hey, I'd like you, you know, I'd like to work with you," or "Did you think about this? Did you think about that?" Big clients, you know, Cathay Pacific, Toyota, um, all sorts. And I really loved that wishful thinking. I really loved mm. that approach where you can just just approach the client and say, I've got this humble vision for you. If you're interested in my stuff, why don't we work that way? Mm. And so this is something that I retain. I retain this, this, this attitude um, with brands as well as individuals. And I work in many ways, but essentially I always try and not impose myself onto a brand or to a person. I try and understand what they're about. And if mm-hmm. what they're about is what I can relate to, then it, it's it's always the best mix. But um, I try and understand, read about the company, read about the person. You know, for example, a music artist, um, and then and then try and work with them in terms of you know graphics and stuff. It, it, all, all the circumstances always change. May that be a mm-hmm. PR uh, event, but may that be a jacket that is going to be on the record cover as well as every single bit of uh, gig that you're going to do in a mm-hmm. tour. It's something that it's for me is important to. What you said was beautiful. You said that something about um, the surprise of people wearing your stuff. That's also great, and it's it's something that I explore through a made-to-order aspect. So I do these products that are able to, available on the store on a web store. You can buy them and, and use them however you want. I don't even teach you how to stitch them. I just like to know how people use them and how they they do it. And occasionally you get this amazing surprise of people that you know put it on a shoe or put it on other stuff, and it's it's great. Yeah. And what I love, what I adore in my work is creating a platform for other people to pick on. So I don't necessarily know you, but I enjoy the way you took these. And it's it's great because you put yourself into these. Um, yeah. other, other things that I did, for example, with George Ezra, is that I didn't make the jackets available to his fan, but I just wanted to see how its fan would take this further. And there's a lot of, they're all fun that just make their own versions, which is great because it comes from a really simple prescriptive, you know, it's, it's one-off, it's a jacket, it's on the record, I'm going to show you the record actually. It's, it's just here, but Sick. people do, they do their own. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it just takes from there and it's great. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered some of your question. That's art, man. That's what art does, you know. I think art just reminds us about something we've forgotten about in our day-to-day life. And um, I just, yeah, I think coming, for me, coming from art school and kind of poo-pooing like things like fashion and things like, you know, make, yeah, making garments, um, I think garments can totally be art and function as art and express like art and I think it's a much it's an incredible tool um, in that sense that yeah you don't need to be somebody special or under, understand a special language or a secret code to like take some kind of meaning from um, you know a garment or a message like that that's so cool um, absolutely because it's quite specific I mean embroidery for my point embroidery is quite a it's a statement 
But that statement can be used in so many ways. It could be like mm -hmm. a fan patch amongst the others, or it could be a nice big lettering with your name. I love my like I like my name <laughs> because it's always mispronounced. And <laughs> it's it's you know, it's fun. I just enjoy collecting mispronunciations as well. It's just something mm -hmm. that I just you know, it's it's an it's a narrative. And again, narratives create communication, sorry, connections, and that's it brings it all together to a... In, in that a sense, actually, I think you've found kind of... You've found peace as not fitting in and as not having your name pronounced well and for not being part of the crowd but for just being yourself in your own ways with your own, like, you know, beauties and flaws, um, which is something that I only just started to come to appreciate in the last few years, definitely, um, which I think just, I think the world has become very mon monotonous and quite same, same thanks to the internet. And I think embracing, encouraging this kind of behavior is like the best thing for, for creativity. Um, and for like inspiration to inspire other people as well um, is to, it's so so clever you know it's just inspiring other people to just like make something their own so cool absolutely I think I think yeah. it's really fun yes yeah and I like I like the way that you well first of all I didn't mention it but I love the uh, good old what's her face uh, uh, name it's <laughs> amazing <you. laughs> it's amazing how did that come about or well, I have a really good friend. His name's Phil Matteris. He also, I've done a podcast with him, but he is the creator of this HBO cartoon called um, Animals. And he also loves bumper stickers. So he has a book that's all about, like he just like made up these really ridiculous bumper stickers and then made it into a book. And it's really rude, but then it becomes really sweet at the end of the book. And he came up with the name Good Old What's-A-Face, actually. Um, it was, like, on one of his lists as, like, one of his future band names. And um, he gave it to me because he thought that the idea for the brand was pretty good. So, yeah. That's every like every time big, I see the name, I crack up. <laughs> it's so big good. Big shout-out to Phil. Like, yeah, that's where the, that's also you know, kudos to diversity, you know, it's like exchanging, it's just like just vibing on each other and making new ideas from your own experiences are like is something that is so special and I think human connection in that sense is so special too. Like, you know, you never know what you're going to come up with when you're brainstorming with people. A hundred percent, Lauren. Yeah. And also, on, as a segue, and I think you'll agree with me, there's, there's, there's too much of safe. So if I go back to the design days, mm. design days were often, um, my, my, my end bit of the design days were kind of like conveyed by marketing, by numbers. So you had to do what was right. Mm. You had to do what what was going to be a good solution. There was much there was much less risk, and now there is much less risk, is because a lot of designers spend spend most of their day on Pinterest, spend most of their day on Instagram or TikTok, yeah. looking at other people's uh, yeah. solutions, 
and they try and do their own solution. And that's something that it just not only bores me to death, but it kind yeah. of sends a, a chill down my spine because that's not a, that's not design. That's not no. creativity. It doesn't do anything. What you're doing is that you are looking for numbers, for safety. Yeah. And it's it's what, quite rude. I think it's it, rude. It's really rude. In what sense? Well, I think it's stealing. I think you're stealing other people's beautiful creativity that to me is something I regard so highly and so special. Maybe for other people they don't regard creativity in that same kind of way, but I take great offence to it and and I think you're doing yourself a disfavour by, by kind of copying or, or, or taking inspiration quote unquote from from other people um and their current work because you're not pushing yourself when you do that either there's something about copying around you know other people's work um by brands that i think is it's it needs more explanation or exploration and i think it's down to company culture I think it's often about uh, junior people or whatever position is, but they, they just being squeezed um, against the tight deadlines, uh, needing to come in up with ideas. There's also the, 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 the idea that designers have to look at other designers, prescriptive research mm. to come up with ideas. And there's also this acceptance that kind of, you know, you're a big company, you can do that. It's going to be, it's okay. Someone will mm. sort it out anyway, or nobody's going to find out. It, it, it's it's a whole thing. And I think it's just part of the culture. And it's yeah. part of the culture where I think you should get your own culture to, you know, meet up, hang yeah. out, exactly like you were saying before, creating a narrative, talking about stuff, laughing about stuff. You, you can't squeeze these like an orange juice. It's just not going to work out. You have to create, create an environment where things come out like that. Yeah. There's something about, also there's something about myself. So I, I, could, I could do that. I could look on Pinterest and I could find, you know, find a solution for other stuff. I don't do it. But also, I just like to you know, have a conversation with my client and just see where this leads mm. to. And also there's something about very, very limiting uh, for me, uh, which is looking at other designs, because as soon as someone sends me a design, my mind is kind of set within uh, yeah. uh, along those parameters. I'd much rather uh, enjoy a vintage market or mm. just go for a, you know an exhibition, art exhibition or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm a massive fan of vintage markets, and I know that you are too. And yeah. it's something that it's it's about the... It's not about specific references. It's about the context. It's so random. Right? Yeah. It's so random it's... that you don't know what you're looking for. You go and look, like you go often, and then you you don't know what you're going to like, your eye is going to spot, but your eye becomes really good at scanning. And suddenly, like depending on if it relates to something in your personal life or something you, I don't know, you a conversation you had with somebody else, you pick up this thing and it's, it, it represents something that you are in, into right now. It's so random that I think that's why I love vintage shopping is how random it is or 
not just going to like vintage stores because they're quite curated often, but flea markets, like junk shops, like like garage sales, like whatever. Um, you know, I live I live in Thailand, so um, people are really um, entrepreneurial in terms of like just finding a market, <laughs> finding stuff and finding a market for it. Um, and that's wonderful. I think I love how entrepreneurial Thai people are, <clears throat> how creative they are, how much they hustle. And as a result, you get some really crazy ideas that means something really special to whoever created it. And that's what you buy into. You buy into that relationship with the idea and its creator. And you can't get that from Instagram because you're just played, you're just taking somebody else's special relationship with an idea. It's not your idea. Yeah. No, the solution, you know, the, the final solution might be right, but it's not good for your context. It's not good for your mm-hmm. project. It's not going to work out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not going to work out. There's a lot of emptiness around these processes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it, again, I think it's just about time. What you introduced, you introduced me as a, you know, with, with, the, with the post that you saw, I think it's all about time. The time mm-hmm. needs to be right. You've got to dedicate enough time. And uh, the fairness around the process and the excitement around the process needs yeah. to be highlighted. I think, like, I've only started to, like, I, this year, I did a collaboration. I think that's too specific already. I don't want to make it too specific. I think that working with big companies, I think you said it exactly, working with big companies, um, they have very tight deadlines. There, There is a big hierarchy a big chain of command where your idea has to pass through so many hands to be approved. So there is that also that time constraint that there really isn't enough time for people to give ideas. It's a real justice. And I think that's a structural problem with, you know, big mass product like making product on such a big scale. Um, yeah. I I think it's, as a small business owner, you're taking a lot more risk um, in some sense when you're running a business, you're funding it yourself or you don't have, you know, like uh, a, the stability of a, a stable income sometimes. But I think... Yeah, I think when you're working in a a big corporation, you're making huge risks because you're producing such high volume of product that if that idea is crap, like you've just made thousands of crap things that nobody cares about. Yeah, I think that would be scary. I mean, that's also a a fair point. It's, It's a fair point as well. I mean, you can't, they can't have the same mindset that we do. No. And uh, in terms of production, they have to be safe and stuff like that. But then again, Lauren, there's two things that I wanted to say. One, as a small business, it's important to understand who you're talking to. Mm. Uh, because then you can 
you can say, okay, I'm, I'm doing limited quantities and it's totally fine. I'm not reaching out the whole wide market. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, which started a little while ago, you know, quite a few years ago, where large brands are working with, you know, independents like us. And mm-hmm. they're working because they can't quite shift away from their history, from their, you know, mm-hmm. from, from their, you know, for the fame essentially and they they need some quick injections of yeah. fun excitement um you know culture just you know just be fairness you know uh, diversity and all that stuff which is great but also it needs to be considered as an yeah. independent you have to pay the right attention to it because what did the brand do are they employing you because of your diversity why what yeah. can you bring out of it are you getting the right money and all that stuff yeah. i think it's really really important there's a lot of stuff that just it's exciting it's super exciting to work with a large client but is it yeah. the right client for you are they getting yeah. the right you know are you getting the right attention is it the right thing yeah i think also you know i think people aren't stupid and if they can see a large brand is just kind of to- doing something for tokenism, um, people are pretty onto it. So I think it, I think like a long term kind of integrity, I think there needs to be this really like strong integrity underneath all the decision making. Uh, when you are working in a big brand and, um, you know. But I think I think that market forces are a wonderful source of change because I do see uh, a lot of change in um, fashion, in the, in race, like with, with in terms of like, diversity and race and gender um when i uh, let me give you give you a great example when i was a model a full-time professional model me you know i do look more white but i am you know a mixed race person um and in certain markets like i grew up in australia where it was a very like at that time when i was full-time model it was a very white um, so, sort of white market where if you were, you know, Asian, black um, or mixed race, you were like the the support cast, you know, you weren't that you were never the so main crazy. character. Um, and, you know, 10, di- 10 years down the road now, it's a totally different ball game, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just that as an example is is wonderful. You know, it's not to say that everything's perfect now, but it's a pretty short, um, you know, frame of time that the market has pushed for change, and that's pretty cool. I think absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, in the in the weekend, I was talking to someone that was. It really shook me up. I don't want to go into detail, but essentially we're talking about how footballers have the rainbow uh, shoelaces and rainbow, uh, ra- uh, you know, rainbow colors. Mm. And they were saying, I don't want to see that 
all the time. And it was difficult because they were not seeing how this has to be, this is great, this is important because it's normal. People see it and then you relate it. You have to mm. see these things because they are important for others. And if you understand that the whole process about loving someone is not the same, you know, it's the same sex or, or recognizing yourself, then you will understand it too. But mm. normalization, it, it, just essentially the more you see things, it's just always great because yeah. then you understand that it's not just one main perspective. It's kind of... I mean, I don't want to throw a, a bad uh, image to Italy, but one of the reasons why I came over to UK is because there was much more diversity. Mm. I was able to see people from any other countries, any other races, and, 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 and uh, uh, sorry, origins, and then basically just see their mindset, to see how they would approach things, mm. see how they could food, see how they do things. And back home in Italy, it was... It's much of it more, mm. it's a different place just now, but it's definitely not as close to what London would be. I talk about London yeah. because obviously London is much more rich. Wherever yeah. you go in Italy, even if you go to Milan or Rome, things are still quite one way, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. set. Yeah. Do you like what, do you have any thoughts about the metaverse and um, Web3? <laughs> I'm taking things into a really, it's on the same subject, but we're going into a totally different um, direction just because I want to pick your brain. I don't know if you have any, do you have any thoughts about Web3? Do you think, do you know what it's about or um, should I give you a bit of a, yeah, yeah. Give me a little bit more because I, yeah, yeah. I've been involved in like possible clients here and there, conversations and stuff like that. And it's all been just quite, yeah, yeah. Um, not so sure. Not so yeah, sure yeah. if it's so, the right thing. So I live in a totally different world in Asia. You know, people, I think um, the metaverse, we are already kind of half, we're all kind of half living in the metaverse because we we all have these kind of online personas or avatars. You know, what we represent as ourselves online is not a truism of who we really are. It's it's what we want to project who we are onto the, onto the web. Um, so in a sense, I think we already live in the metaverse, um, but I guess you know, as things progress, as technology progresses, I think we will spend more and more time as our virtual selves on online, which is what I call the metaverse. And and then there are all these new professions that will come about um, when as we progress into more of a metaverse life. So you could be a metaverse fashion designer where you design clothes just for avatars you're not you're not making physical clothes or whatever but you're just you're making products and uh, you're rendering a whole universe that's online basically and so there are like there's a whole parallel universe of job opportunities or like just opportunities so that's where we're at with the metaverse so i so, you know, here in Asia, you know, um, NFTs are being really pushed uh, in the mainstream culture 
um, really advertised. Um, we, you know, look at K-pop. So K-pop, we is a huge the K-pop, the J-pop industry, which came before sort of before K-pop. They are wonderful examples of like mass, um, big scale record labels um, looking for revenue streams, both in the real the real world and in the metaverse. So they have these tra- trading card systems or like point systems, basically, where really like diehard fans are trading these very limited NFTs or cards to the more like basically the the higher points you have you get these benefits like you can spend 10 minutes with this k-pop uh celebrity or whatever like it then translates into the real world so that's the metaverse um then web3 is like the next step so i don't i'm not a super (laughs) tech person (laughs) but from what I understand, I'm quite fascinated about it just conceptually. So web, so, so web one was like your dial-up internet where you pay um, an internet company to um, to provide internet services. That was the very first basic um, interaction with the internet. Then web two is when we have we start to have social media. We start as the users. We start to create our own content and we become we are making our own products as content creators and we and you know our data can be the content we create the data we get from it can be used um and so that is us producing something for the internet then web 3 web 3 is like from what i understand it is more uh blockchain based and it will be more about um, taking the power away from these big tech companies like Facebook, like Google, taking that away and making the internet experience more of a, I hope, fair place, but um, let's see. So that's where we're at with like kind of like early conceptualization of Web3. But yeah, I just want, I was just curious if you were like into that at all or if you had any thoughts about culture. I think these, this idea of the metaverse and Web3 have a big impact on like culture and how we will become as people, how where we're going as people. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I've like specifically, I've been approached by clients to you know that worked on esports or or things like uh, um, you know live gigs on on the metaverse uh, and stuff like that to create assets to create things. Um, it, Yes, I've, I mean, I've, I haven't actually done any of those things. I can see how things can progress. I think uh, there's a shift culturally. There's a shift of uh, introversion and then is is kind of a schizophrenic um, exchange of introversion and extroversion. When people are in their safe spots, where they are in their safe environment, they will choose 
to be aggressive but still safe or they'll choose to approach people but still safe and then at the same time they want to be very recognized they've got these avatar explorations of all sorts and they've got these you know their style is very stylized everything is stylized it's interesting i don't really know where the culture is going to mm. sit and 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 some of these kind of obviously obviously scary in a way and i hope it goes to a a, a much more I don't know. I don't know if this is necessarily the place where kids want to go as well, because Mm. I'm reading that, for example, Generation Z is kind of in a way walking away from Internet. um, That's so cool. Yeah, where they're trying to just be more close to people. And Mm. I think that's as a designer, based on the conversation that we had, I think that's exciting, not because I'm an old person, because you create things based on that laughter, based on that that visual connection mm. that you have with people, I think it's really important. I think there's, there's more measure in seeing each other alive, you know, li- yeah. you know live. And, I think, I think. Um, I think finding inspiration from something like the metaverse would be a lot harder I think it would be a lot harder to find unique ideas because you're basically your world becomes a world rendered by other people's ideas. Um, I don't know. We're getting into like a really like ex- like a really existential. I'm just hitting this wall because the world we're in now is also rendered by everybody's ideas. But then we have nature. And nature is the non-human force that we cannot control and we did not create. So we have that balance in the real world. Yeah, you know that but if you wouldn't... are in a, in a too safe or a too stressful environment, you can get out and see nature and that kind of balances out. You can scare you, you can can challenge you and stuff like that. I I absolutely love nature. And I believe me, Laura, I grew up in a on concrete, essentially, Mm. I didn't see trees and stuff like that. And I wasn't quite aware. Did you grow up in the city? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I used to love jumping into like working sites and and mm. steal stuff or like see how you know things that like found things mm. I, I loved abandoned places and stuff like that but i didn't know nature and mm. during lockdown like many others i've kind of i really found myself into this and now i run every once in a while in the morning you know a couple of days a week yes. or three times a week and it's just so great because you you listen to the sounds and everything is just peaceful and and i've got a forest nearby me which is nice. amazing Beautiful. it's it's such a good thing yeah. it just really brings you back to what's important and also just i think we we spoke about boredom but also the sound of your own head sometimes is great because you can just rationalize stuff. We're overstimulated by a lot of things, and mm. we just focus very much on some of the some of the senses. We don't yeah. explore many other senses. And I think making stuff, touching things, getting wet and stuff like that is great because it really puts you, it, it stimulates you in a positive way. I think. 
You know what I just thought about? Um, you kept saying safety when it when we were talking about you know the online um, the metaverse and and your online self, and you can step in and step out of that, and that's very safe because you're hiding behind something really. Um, one thing that I love about nature is how terrifying it is sometimes. Like, so I, I'm a surfer. I mean, you I surf. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I love surfing. <laughs> but it's like sometimes it's terrifying. But that is Damn. so humbling too to be like reminded that you're not everything. Like sometimes the universe is the universe is so much more powerful than you are. So don't be thinking you're too hot shit, um, you know, when you're at the top of the world because there are forces much greater. And um, I think Absolutely. that fear, I think fear, sometimes fear pushes you in a good way. Obviously, you don't want to be in a fearful state the whole time, all the time. That's not good, but... Yeah, like this, just being in a, a terrifying situation in nature is is very humbling. And also, yeah, I think I think just to push yourself to con- continuously push how far you can take yourself. You you'd often surprise yourself how far you can go. Um, so that's one thing I really love about nature. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the future. Um, yes. What excites you about the future? <laughs> In terms of like uh, the, the, my work? Anything. Okay. So I think what, what excites like, me. Yeah. What has been taking your, what has been grabbing your attention that you're excited about in any aspect of life? Yeah, I think I think what excites me is the work that I've done through these years in understanding myself and understanding how people are a little bit more, mm-hmm. a, a bit more focusing on emotional intelligence, you know, just trying to understand how we can connect each other a bit more and stuff like that. That definitely, I think, is working on people. The fact that people talk about mental health, the fact that people talk about... Um, ways to get out i think it's still very very raw especially with men but i think this is exciting because men are so set in stone and it comes from many many different patterns chosen and unchosen patterns before and i think it's great that men are waking up to that um there's a lot more uh great things for women as well there's a lot more understanding that you know there's a lot of things that are not spoken about you know medical yeah. things the scientific aspect has not been explored and stuff like that on my side or business side i'm not sure i'm just having to do a shift. <laughs> um, on my side i'm excited about um getting to a place where people recognize my stuff but it's not a narcissistic thing it's just about mm. being able to gain that visibility and being able to uh have a fr- f- uh, ownership and art- uh, artistic freedom, call it like that. So, mm. you know, I think the ultimate spot for me would be just to, for people to understand what I do. And this is happening. I mean, it's happening, mm. against, you know. Yeah. Uh, people know what I do. They approach me and they say, we've got this project I'd like you to take. The conceptual side 
and you know so i work on the design aspect and many different things i love that because then i'm able to actually see a, a good view of what's happening a good yeah. view of where the collection or whatever is going i'm not um a fashion designer by by any means but i worked with people like miles johnson from used to have be a, a lvc used to be a levi's and i did some stuff for isco before where we created this capsule collection and I'm working on a capsule collection for a brand that um, comes from Japan, Iron Heart. Um, oh, so yeah. it's it's Sick. interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that stuff is great. But again, um, I want to every once in a while stop back and you know regard it. There's something about my process that I think, my process and everyone's process that I think is very valuable. It is very important. It's that every once in a while you have to stop and understanding where where your heart is and when the numbers are. Um, The numbers often come from a good work that you've done. So you've done that kind of visual complexity. You can see at the back here, there's a more, for example, a design and a, you know, illustration, a type, and then there's a type, type of George Ezra. People will want to ask you one or the other. And every once in a while, that kind of, that interest kind of, you know, kind of, it's not right, or, mm. or maybe just dilutes. And I think every once in a while, I like to stop and say, where does my heart uh, sit? Mm. Do I want to do more new stuff, new crazy things? Crazy things. I think it's just about that dedication. Just always keep in mind that it's not about milking what yeah. was right all the time. It's just about trying to come up with unusual things. And that's where I like to sit. I like to sit in, in a place where I work with an interior designer as well as with the... Uh, a fashion mm-hmm. designer or, or a meal or, you know, things like that. Yeah. I really, I'm project driven. So I, I enjoy just like, you know, see how things can be done differently and mm-hmm. where can we go from there? I think that's, yeah. that's exciting. But people say, is there, a, is there an ultimate project or an artist you'd like to work with? And I, I think not really. I think it's about chemistry. I think mm-hmm. things happen and they are happening and and happened before and i'm i'm okay it's i like to just carry on this way sometimes when people ask you like what's the you know ideal job or ideal person that you want to meet or work for whatever um sometimes i think that's a dangerous question because what happens when you have done that (laughs) then what you know like i think i think uh, the unexpected is very exciting and beautiful and um just kind of rolling with it i think longevity is quite an achievement over i don't know fame or yeah to me having a business and doing your own thing and being able to do it for a long time is massive i think that's a huge achievement there are so many factors that play into running your own business that you know most people can't manage so yeah massive achievement silently massive achievement a hundred percent i share i share this completely there's something about growth i think there's a there's a kind of idea that your business has to grow in terms of like, you've got to have a bigger studio, you've got to have more stuff, you've got to have to train people. And I'm mm. always approached by people 
especially when I used to do trade shows with these, they would come over and say, have you thought about so, uh, digital embroidery? I said, of course I thought about digital embroidery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing all by hand, but it's not the thing that I like. Mm. And it's about growth and growth sometimes is, I'd rather take some profit, right? Mm. I don't want to expand all the time yeah. and I don't want to invest all the time. And I'd like to just enjoy what I do yeah. and just carry on the same way. People say, are you going to have other people working with you? That's something I would like. And I've had someone before that learned the craft. I'd like to share this craft a bit more, but I'm, I'm okay. It's, it's, mm. This is great. This is great. It's not, it doesn't have to be big. I don't need more debts. I don't yeah. need to use my credit card. I don't need to buy stuff that I don't have the money for, it's fine. That's a beautiful way to end this. That was beautiful. I love Thank that. You. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, but yeah. For many, Thanks. this is just uh, uh, yeah. lunacy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so, but who am I to say? Um, I think that's the best way to live your life and that is so fulfilling for you and I understand. I totally get it. Well, Thanks, thank Lauren. you, Julio. Um, thank you so much. For those who are listening, how can they check out your work? So uh, I have an Instagram page, which is G underscore Miglietta, which is uh, without the braids. Miglietta. Oh, by the way, I just I referenced a little bit. Uh, the <laughs> job. I appreciate that. You can, as you can see, lately I've gone for a rebranding. Uh, I saw, but, I saw. But um, you got to freshen know, up every once in a while. Got to freshen and then up. The Absolutely. I'm also like, you know, older. No, yeah, <laughs> Been doing this for a not, while, so yeah. I feel we're not like getting any younger. <laughs> we're not getting any younger. You know, we evolve with the punches. We don't. I'm not trying to fool myself that I'm forever 20 but um the spirit lives on well Absolutely. thank you so much for spending the time with me and whoever's listening and um yeah i hope that we can get to hang out in the future in real absolutely life. let's That's hit some awesome. vintage market maybe i'll let's just come by we clear with my wife and we just go nuts <laughs> berserker in vintage markets in thailand that would, that, oh yeah please 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 i'd love that that would be great all right everybody. i'll speak to you soon bye Thanks everybody so much. see you later bye bye